Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 930 in 716. Just another Sunday in Buffalo. This is our country. This is our country. This is our country. This is our country. This is our Dueling rallies along picturesque Bidwell Parkway. And for a brief time, the pro and anti-Trump factions, they met. I think that we're at a point where, uh, like, kind of like a fork in the road. The country's going to go one way or another. I think there's a difference between overt violence and confrontation. Um... And all we're doing is we're trying to be confrontational. This is more the norm in American politics than kind of an era of good feelings. So, get used to it. I'm Tim Wenger on 930 and 716. The two rallies began in separate locations Sunday afternoon. The original anti-Trump rally was along Bidwell Parkway near Elmwood, and the countering pro-Trump rally was just down the parkway at Colonial Circle. And at one point, some of the anti-group began to break away and wander down to Colonial Circle, where, naturally, the mood escalated. How are you? It's not going to shake your hand yet. What? <laughs> Pro-Trump organizer Russ Thompson went to the other side and greeted Nate McMurray. Did you see what's going on down here? No. Your camp is setting up down here. It's not me, not our camp. I know it's not you, but this is... This is why we've been stressing for a couple of weeks to keep these things separate. Well, we we, uh, we moved over here to get away from you guys following us. So I I'm I, not stalking you. Don't don't <laughs> say that. I'm not well, stalking. Well, I have no. Uh, if there's people down there who want to join us, send them to our way. Well, I wish somebody would go down there and say you're at the wrong rally. Why are you being? You know, we got two separate events, uh-huh. and that was the way we intended it to be. We intended it to be peaceful. We've been driving it home for two weeks, better than two weeks. And then as soon as 12.15, I get a picture of somebody and it doesn't matter. It's not you, it's not me. You know it's, it's, you know it's not me, and I wanna, I'm gonna give you guys your space, and thank you for giving me my space, and uh... Well, yeah, that's why we're separating. Yes, sir. You know? So let's be peaceful. I mean, I just wish yep. the people down there would get the message. That's well, we'll all. send some people down, see if we can recruit someone to join us down there. Hang in there. All right, oh, well, I'm sir, I'm going to go back because people are waiting for us. But thank you for being respectful enough to meet me in the middle. I appreciate it. Right. See you, Russ. I'll see you trying to set the agenda for the day is the whole idea, you know. And thank you for trying to set an example, and uh, I appreciate you meeting me in the middle. So yeah, No problem at all. I'll see you soon, sir. See you later. Thank you. Here today to support Trump. Uh, I think he's the first president that we've had that hasn't been bought off by special interests. WBEN was in both camps talking with both sides, including Joe from West Seneca. I think he's doing things for the country to help out working people. And um, I don't think he sees colors. I think he's just for Americans and America first. 
What do you think about this, the, the tone of where this rally is at Colonial Circle? you got groups like Black Lives Matter, Antifa right there. What do you think about what they're saying? I think they're very un-American. Um, I think they've been brainwashed by a lot of the media. Um, and I don't know, I guess everybody's allowed to have their opinions, which is the great thing about America. But I think that they want to take that away, to be honest. Have you seen any violence today? I have not, no. Okay, but any arrests, anything that, what do you think about the work that Buffalo Police has done here? I think they're doing a great job. Uh, there's definitely out here in numbers. And, um, you know, they got the squads, cars, the uh, emergency team. So um, I think they're really trying to keep it peaceful, and I don't think anybody's going to get out of hand. They're the one side right there, they're getting a little closer to where uh, you guys are over here. Right. Are you worried that's going to escalate even further? No. Not at all? No. I'm not worried about if it does, but I don't think it's going to. <laughs> right. How can we get closer as a nation? Do you think, Do you think? I mean, we're pretty divided right now at Prears. Do you look at this rally as a classic example of it? How can we get closer? What, what did the two sides need to do? I, I don't think it's going to. to be, I mean, I think that we're at a point where, uh, like, kind of like a fork in the road, where if the open borders and the socialists and, and if that whole the country's going to go one way or another um, I think that it was headed that way and I think that Trump kind of pulled us back from that and he's, he's, he's just a wrecking ball that's the way it is so I think he brings out a lot of this uh, I think I think I don't know to be honest with you hopefully at some point we can know meanwhile you can look at the people we have here these are families Nate McMurray organizing the anti-Trump efforts these are good people these are Moms and dads, their families, their people I know personally, they're people I haven't met before but seem like wonderful people. These aren't these aren't fringe groups, these are not extremists, that's not who's here today. We are not um, going to defeat uh, right-wing extremism in this country if we, you know, have sort of these police-approved rallies that are run by Democrat by the Democratic Party and explicitly disallow Antifa. And, and more confrontational uh, uh, groups from participating. Uh, there are people in this country, particularly the most marginalized among us, who are directly affected by the violence uh, that Trump is instigating. And we need to stop that violence. We need to stop, uh, we need to close the camps. We need to stop the slide of this country into fascism in any way that we can. And I don't think holding signs for a Democratic politician in a rally where um, con like, confrontational tactics are sort of explicitly banned is a way to do that. I am not someone who's going to return violence with violence. And I think the people here today, look at the message. Love. Peace. I mean, that's the message I want to share, and I think that's the message we need for America. This is the anti-Trump rally. The emotions you see at those Trump rallies where people are enraged, they're full of hate and anger. This is the opposite emotion we're going to share today. And if people come in to share those emotions, the, if people come in to spread hate and anger, uh, I will oppose that as well. I mean, peaceful can mean a lot of things. Uh, this is, uh, there's no overt violence right now. We want to avoid that because there are many uh, uh, people who are like very marginalized who have been beaten up by reactionaries and bigots before. We're not looking for that. Um, but I think there's a difference between overt violence and confrontation. Um, and all we're doing is we're trying to be confrontational. So what to make of it all?
the entirety of the ideological spectrum is on display during events like that. We turn to one of our political go-to guys, Jake Neuheisel at the University of Buffalo Political Science Unit. You know, during an earlier era, maybe an Obama era, it wouldn't have been two groups on the left. It might have been two groups on the right who were coming to town. Um, maybe the, the Tea Party plus more of an establishment Republican group were coming to, to level protest. And so I think that's just something you see when your party's out of power, um, you have a little bit more freedom to have a broader ideological stance, whereas there's this pressure if you're controlling the levers of power to get on board with whomever's in office and let some of those other conflicts go. Is this kind of part of the politics of hate that we seem to be seeing? Uh, a lot of folks say that. I, I hasten to, to call it hate, although there, there's certainly uh, a fair amount of animus going on. Um, I'm reminded, for whatever reason, of a, an old Paul Begala quote, and he was talking about, you know, you don't have to hate the other side, but it helps. And, I, and he's right. In, in one sense, it does help. It gets people excited. It gets people motivated. But um, I, I really wish we'd, we'd back down a little bit from that ledge of, of some of that rhetoric. Um, I like to remind people, and this is when I get on my soapbox, that this is more the norm in American politics than kind of an era of good feelings. Um, it's actually when we think about the 50s when there was broad agreement on a lot of public policy, that was a really an unusual time. And, and for most of the, the United States' history, it's been partisan conflict and sometimes very nasty partisan conflict. It's amplified now, too. I, I think that's that's certainly a sense that we have and a lot of the indicators we have looking at, you know, ideological division or spread in Congress, those other things that we can measure uh, are really backing up that sentiment. But Twitter, too. I mean, uh, you, everyone can see it. A protest like this, maybe you had to be there to see it at one point. But now, I mean, we're talking about it this morning. The videos are at every news outlet. So you don't have to go far to see it. Absolutely not. And I think that's a function of a number of things. The Internet doesn't help. Uh, it allows, even if you have a, a verified Twitter handle or whatnot, and your name is behind it, it allows a certain sense of anonymity. And you're over there, and I'm here, so I can say whatever I want. And I think that maybe the, the loudest voices are on those platforms, and those are the ones that are most visible. I don't know that they're entirely representative of the public out there. We are joined live in studio by Jacob Nyheiser. UB political science professor to talk about uh, politics, uh, the current state of political discourse, everything we're seeing out there highlighted by those rallies in Buffalo yesterday. We were talking about um, kind of the splintered uh, left side of the rally where you had kind of the the official rally, so to speak, but then the group that wanted to be a little bit more confrontational. You, you said it's not unlike what we saw over on the right uh, when Obama uh, first took office. And it does kind of remind you of the Tea Party and then maybe what we're seeing in the Democratic primary not too different from Trump versus the establishment Democrats, right? Or, or Republicans. Right. You know, primaries are an interesting thing to watch. Um, there's broad agreement on a lot of different issues. And so you need to find those particular um, policy positions where you can differentiate yourself in a very, very crowded field. What, 20 plus candidates? Um, sometimes those are going to mean you go to a direction where, OK, nobody else has this position. I'm going to be known for this. Sometimes that's more of an extreme position than, you know, the rest of the candidates will take. And so it uh, oftentimes seems that you know, that's where those things are aired. Does it seem, though, that the tone of the country is sinking to a new low or not? I don't know about a new low. Again, this is when I pull the soapbox out, you know, and I start telling my students of, of some of the rhetoric that surrounded things like the Lincoln-Douglas debates or some of the very early political contests between maybe, you know, Thomas Jefferson, some of his political rivals where they're insulting each other's mothers. Uh, 
and so the, the, the rhetoric has always been there. It's always been simmering. Um, and, and in some ways, it's been worse. Right? There hasn't been a caning on the floor of the U.S. House just yet. Uh, but I also do think that it is, at least from a, a benchmark of the, the 1950s, where there was more partisan agreement. It has certainly gotten worse from that period. And it's really unfortunate that a lot of the, the rhetoric we talk about with respect to politics sounds combative. It sounds militaristic, right? There's the, the ground game. There's the air war. Mm-hmm. We're talking about advertising. It's a battleground state. I don't think that that helps either. I'm not sure if that's a, a cause or just a symptom, um, but I, I, I do encourage people to stop thinking about things in less sort of black and white moralistic tones and think about politics as what politics is uh, as a you know battle of you know who gets what, when, and why. Yeah, I'm trying to think of this as like a mirror image, you know, 2009 to 2019. How is it similar? And you know, the similarities are all there, but it's funny how you know we all looked at Obama as he, he was the first Twitter president, the first online. You know, that's what helped him win. In 2008 and uh, his re-election later on. But, I mean, his use of Twitter compared to the president's use of Twitter is a completely different animal. Is that maybe the big difference here? You do have kind of splintered groups on the side, not in power, but... Uh, you never had um, the president going on Twitter and throwing these attacks the way he is. Just, I mean, it could happen at any time of the day. <laughs> it, it'll just pop up, and there it goes. Absolutely, I, I think that's a, a big difference. And um, you know, I, I'm not a, a huge fan of the the Twitter president, but uh, I, I think that there are others out there who find it a refreshing difference. Right? He says what he means, and and will often put you know, the weight of the administration behind what he's saying in those tweets. And so it's a direct form of communication to the electorate that bypasses a lot of media channels and other gatekeepers. And so, you know, I'd like to see him more reserved in those environments, but some people find it a a nice change and and maybe that's bringing different people into the fold. And so, you know, with almost anything in politics, there's never a pure positive or pure negative, right? You might be amping up the rhetoric, but at the same time bringing different people into the fold. And so it's really one of those things where, you know, what do you like to maximize in terms of outcomes? You know, because of the president's tweets, what's happening to the middle anymore. I mean, is do we have a middle like we've always had before, or is that shrinking? I think the middle is certainly shrinking. Um Maybe not in terms of numbers, but also, but in terms of the weight that they have in terms of crafting public policy. And another thing about the middle is they don't vote at very high rates. They don't donate a lot to candidates. They um, don't make demands upon those candidates. Um, they're less involved in partisan politics. And so, even though we might think of the the most density or the the highest population being in the middle in this country still they're not the ones who are the loudest. And if you're a politician and you're looking for votes, you're looking for donations, you're going to go where those voices are loudest. It's got to be alienating for those in the middle who are just so turned off by both sides uh, of the argument now. Uh, That's absolutely true. I I think that there is a a missing middle, and there's always been a a missing middle in American politics where, you know, folks who maybe don't have very strong opinions just kind of check out. And, you know, we've looked at many different things in in my business of, okay, why is that happening? Maybe it's negative advertising. Well, there's not a lot of evidence for that. It just seems to be people who have other things to do. As as strange as it may seem to me as someone who devotes his entire life to studying politics, People have other things to do, and this is not at the forefront of their mind. And you know, those are the ones who are more likely to drop out. Yeah, like they're turned off. But and you can use the term "silent majority," emphasis on silent. Right. In a way, but I, I think the silent majority, you know, that, that has come to, to be associated with an idea that, oh, we're all in agreement, but we're just staying silent right now. I don't know that the middle has much of a, a cohesion that the, the silent majority idea would like to, to, to imbue to it. November 2020 seems so close, yet so far. 
That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.